Hello and welcome to Take 18, a podcast where we love to talk about movies because we love the movies. That's right, this show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society and my name is Daniel Lair, the founder and executive director of the Central Coast Film Society. It's great having you to tune in with us and uh, to catch us on our first episode of Season 2. That's right, this is our second year now. Hope you guys all enjoyed last year's. If you haven't listened to them, I strongly suggest you just reach back in time and check those out as well. A lot of really amazing interviews and content out there for you that is, shall I say, timeless. Um, So (laughs) thanks so much for coming in. Today we actually have a great guest. It's Sky McLennan, the executive director of the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival. She's going to be here to talk to us about their upcoming virtual festival, and that's going to be happening next month. And of course we have an update on when the heck are all these movies going to be coming out to theaters, and so we'll let you know when or if they even do. And of course, before we get into everything, just make sure that you can subscribe. Uh, that way you can find out whenever a new episode comes out. And that way you can also catch up on what you maybe have missed. You definitely want to check those all out. And we're going to be trying to get these out again. Uh, COVID is just still here. And, you know, we never thought it would still be this long, but it is. And uh, hopefully we have a light at the end of the tunnel coming up soon. Um, Hopefully halfway through this year, but uh, lots to talk about. So we're going to be diving into all that fun stuff throughout this podcast series. Of course, we will be having these movie news, reviews and interviews with the filmmaker takes. So just talk all about movies. That's right. All right. Let's dive into movie news now. All right, so we have a lot to catch up on here. Uh, This is our first podcast of 2021, brand new season. So um, let's talk about last year. Uh, (laughs) I mean, nobody really wants to talk about 2020, but um, we will do that. Uh, There were movies that came out in 2020. It is true. Um, The number one movie, Box Office Mojo reports that the number one movie last year is Bad Boys for Life. (laughs) And they took in $204 million. Uh, The number two movie was 1917, which actually came out in 2019. Um, They made $157,000. I'm sorry, $157 million. Um, And Sonic the Hedgehog came in third with $146 million. Then it's followed up by Jumanji and Star Wars uh, rounded out for the the Rise of Skywalker. Um, And so just for a comparison, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker, which came out in 2019, is number five here. And it's uh, $124 million. Um, The... 2020, I'm sorry, 2021 right now. <laughs> These years blend together. Uh, 2021 right now, it looks like our number one movie so far is Wonder Woman 1984, and that's $14 million. So you can see that um, COVID is still around and definitely still has a very strong hold on what is going on with the movies and people going to the movies and things like that. Um, you know, and movies like the wonder woman, like wonder woman, uh, the crudes, um, other movies like that, they, they are released in very, uh, targeted ways. I know like drive-ins are open in certain areas around here on the central coast. So there are ways for people to still see these movies. Um, it's just not that 
easy. <laughs> and um, it's really been putting a whole kind of kibosh on on uh, the slate of films that's supposed to be coming out. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I, I did a kind of, you know, a top 10 list of movies that was supposed to come out in 2020 that's coming out in 2021 uh, in this year and what we're looking forward to. And already it's changed <laughs> from what those release dates are but I'll I want to kind of go through some of those I mean uh, we'll just start kind of at the bottom so I'm I'm looking forward to West Side Story a Steven Spielberg movie um, they, he's always wanted to make a musical he said so you know the closest thing he got is the opening sequence of Temple of Doom but um, you know that movie was moved from uh, December of 2020 and it's still now it's in 2021 so it hasn't moved from that date, but there are a couple movies on this list that have uh, moved multiple times. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but West Side Story, of course, is a remake, and now I've I, I realized that it is a true remake set in the '60s of the of the famous Broadway production. But all the movies on this list are a remake or a sequel or a prequel of some kind. And I don't know what that says about me <laughs> or what my state of mind is, but that's what's on the list. And that we'll talk about also the Golden Globes that came out and uh, some interesting things there. Um, next on the list is Death on a Nile. Uh, that was moved from December 18th, and that's moved now to September 17th um, of this year. And that is also a sequel of The Murder of the Orient Express, which was really fun. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it just a fun whodunit sort of movie. Another one, um, A Quiet Place Part 2. That was kind of the sleeper <laughs> horror film that did really, really well. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, you know, John Krasinski, who most people know from The Office, uh, he acted and directed this with his wife, Emily Blunt, and um, it was phenomenal. It was really well done. Uh, did not expect it, and that's part of what makes this part, this new movie coming out, really exciting as well. Um, so that was moved from September of last year to April 23rd. Now, again, that has been updated, and they've pushed it back now to September 17th. So the movie has now been delayed for over a year from its release date. Um, Black Widow is, uh, has been moved from, from, uh, May of 2020 to, um, it, well, it was moved to November of 2020 and now it's been moved, um, again to May 7th of 2021. Now, as of right now, what I can tell that is still the same. It, it may be going to, um, Disney plus and doing kind of what Mulan and Soul did. And I, I, I thought this was interesting because um, right now I am having a hell of a fun ride watching WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. It, it is a very good movie, or I, I see, I say movie, but it's a, a limited series that is exploring this new world of the MCU, um, which I'm a fan of. I'm absolutely a fan of the MCU. I think it's a lot of fun. It's popcorn flick. Uh, anybody can have fun with it. You know, I, I've I know people who absolutely despise comic book hero movies, and they just they're like, "What's the point?" And then you just show them a couple movies here from the MCU, and they're hooked, and it's pretty fun. Um, 
But what's interesting about Black Widow uh, coming out and being delayed and then being delayed now until after WandaVision is everything that that the Marvel is doing has a very specific timeline with its release dates because it everything that is put out is very carefully crafted um, as part part of its storytelling um uh, part of its storytelling is its release dates and it needs to be released in a certain order. And so that's something that's really interesting for me on Black Widows to see if they're going to stick to this May 7th date, which is kind of, you know, it, it's three months, four months away. Um, but it's uh, it, it's still something that, that could be impacted by COVID and not a bunch of theaters being opening. That's you know, we have to wait and see how are the vaccines going? How are the numbers going to be changing? You know, a lot a lot can happen in a couple months. You know, that's what we said about, <laughs> around about the same time last year. Um, a lot can happen. So we'll we'll wait and see and keep our eyes on that. So but uh, kind of back to my point, though, was that I'm, I'm curious to see if there's some hidden nugget in Black Widow that needs to come out before other things in the Marvel universe uh, will come out because they are coming. <laughs> um, all right. So the next movie on my list is Dune. I'm definitely uh, pumped for that. The original was a, a absolute classic in terms of storytelling and visuals. Uh, George Lucas himself even said that he borrowed <laughs> uh, creatively borrowed from Dune for Star Wars. Um, that was moved from December of 2020, and now it's uh, gone to October um, of 21. So we'll wait and see if that sticks as well. Um, again, another remake. <laughs> uh, now a sequel, Top Gun Maverick, uh, was moved from December of 2020 to July 2nd of 2021, and currently still slated on that date. Um of course, by the time I finish this podcast, who knows, this all could be completely changed. But uh, yeah, it, it looks awesome. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun and nostalgia. But, you know, Tom Cruise has just gotten insane with the stunts and he's actually in those planes flying around. So um, I, I, I'm i game to watch it. I'm pretty, pretty stoked. Uh, next movie is The Kingsman. Um, I love the Kingsman series. The first two movies <laughs> were so much fun, so much bloody, gory, uh, action-packed, fun. Uh, another one of those movies um, series that I wasn't expecting. I, I legit walked into Kingsman, the very first one, a couple of years ago, and I had no idea what to expect. Um, I was just like, yeah, all right, we got a free Friday night and let's go out and see what's what this is all about and um absolutely loved it it was so much fun so I'm definitely looking forward to this uh prequel that it was um slated to come out on um September 18th of 2020 it was moved to February 26th of this year obviously that didn't work so they moved it to March of you know, one month later, and uh, now they finally have said, no, screw it, we're going to August 20th. So, still later this year for that, um, but you know what, it's going to be worth it. So, the next movie, I I have to admit, I have a bias. Um, I, once upon a time, used to be a skipper at the world-famous Jungle Cruise at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. And I used to tell those really bad jokes all day long, every day. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, I was actually working there when Weird Al came out with his Skipper Dan song and uh, people found me and they said, oh my God, you're you're real. You really do exist. And of course I was like, yeah, but you can. I am DB me. I, I am on there. So, <laughs> but uh, people took pictures with me. They thought I was this made up character, which is nothing at all like me. <clears throat> Anyways, The Jungle Cruise is a movie starring um, The Rock, and that was supposed to be coming out uh, last July, and it's been bumped up to this July, so one year delay, and it's uh, still, still set on that. Um, Disney, of course, isn't a, uh, this is kind of one of those, it's not a remake, it's not a sequel, but Disney is in the habit of making movies out of their attractions, um, everything from the Haunted Mansion to the Country Bears to, uh, I love the Tower of Terror with, um, uh, what was it, Steve Gutenberg and, and Kristen Dunst was in that one, um, but uh, yeah, and of course Pirates of the Caribbean, but you know who's counting on that one. Um, the next movie, uh, this number two on my list is no time to die. It's the last James Bond movie for Daniel Craig before he, uh, puts up, uh, his retirement on that character. Um, this movie, I feel like has been coming out for a very long time. Uh, I remember watching previews for it back in the theater a year ago. Um, you know, and it was moved from uh, a November, 2020 date to, April, um, but of course that just got changed now to October 8th of this year, so another about a year <laughs> delay, um, and then, but finally, lastly, my number one pick is the one that just hurts my heart the most that I have to just wait and just wait again. Um, it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I am so pumped for this movie. It, it's uh, Ghostbusters was definitely, for me as a child of the 80s, I, I was so, I don't know, I, I was drawn to it. I, I watched this movie as a four and five-year-old just religiously and it's you know now I watch it with my five-year-old and I'm like well that's kind of weird but she loves it too so I don't know what's weird um (laughs) but we love Ghostbusters Ghostbusters is so much fun and it's it's in the right hands let's put it that way the the ingredients is is properly mixed this time I think for something that is going to be truly special and from that one little teaser trailer that we've gotten a glimpse of and all the uh, promo marketing and, and all the stuff that's already come out because the movie was supposed to come out over uh, six months ago, um, you know, products is still hitting the, the shelves. Um, so you get a little sense of what's happening. But uh, but that movie was supposed to come out in July of 2020. It got pushed to March of 21, then to June of 21. And now it got pushed to November 11th. It's it hurts. That one has been now delayed for about a year and a half, and it's just no oh, man. Um, so that's that's where my heart is right now. I I am so looking forward to the end of COVID nineteen, and uh, you know some things aren't going to change. Um, people are still going to go to the movies. I I still believe that, and then uh, but. You know, online screening is going to be, um, you know, it's a new thing, and it's uh, something that studios are definitely going to be going to be doing for the for the foreseeable future, at least. And um, you know, and that's going to lead us into a conversation later on with uh, Sky, and then also 
uh, to talk about my next topic here is the um, the Golden Globes that had just come out. And what was interesting about Golden Globe nominations to me, um, they haven't had the awards, just the nomination. But what's really interesting is that uh, Netflix as a streaming service actually has gotten 22 nominations um, for the Golden Globes. And then Amazon Studios has got seven and then that goes on to Focus Features, Searchlights, Sony Pictures Classics. Uh, those are the rounded out. And then Walt Disney Pictures is uh, up there as well. But then it goes Warner Brothers, Universal, and then Hulu and you know all the other ones. But um, it is very interesting to see that the big studios are not players in the Golden Globe nominations, which are precursors to the Academy Awards. And uh, the Academy has been changing their rules on what is eligible. Uh, It's always been very stringent, very um, strict about what criteria you got to meet to uh, be nominated for an Academy Award. And so those are kind of uh, changing a little bit for this year. And that's to kind of help accommodate these movies that are going directly to streaming services. Um, and I am going to be a hundred percent honest on, uh, the, the, you know, the best picture, uh, dramas. Um, I have not seen a single one of those, nor have I even heard about them. Um, I mean, I have, but I haven't not like looked into it. You know, there's, uh, I think there's like two or three of them that are just on Netflix alone and I've got Netflix, but I, when I'm on Netflix, I'm usually like binging something that I really, you know, that I used to love watching, you know, something old. Uh, usually I'm kind of stuck on mystery science theater, but (laughs) digress. Um, but no, but, but these movies are being shown and, and they need to be seen and there are some quality things in them and quality performances for sure. I just, I, I, haven't gotten a chance to get around to it it's it's immensely more difficult as a uh, as a father trying to watch new movies um at home when you've got kids around because the kids want to watch movies and and it just quarantine does that for me i i need to get out i need to get in the cinema i need to get away and actually enjoy them and not be distracted by all things at uh, home i guess it's like working from home you know um, but I did get an eyebrow raised, uh, when I, I looked at what the best motion pictures of musical comedy were, um, two of them, uh, I really kind of scratched my head on was, uh, the Borat movie, uh, the sequel was nominated for best motion picture musical comedy. Uh, I, I, I've seen the first one. I have not seen the second one. I'm, I'm going to say that full disclosure. I have not seen the second one. Um, and I don't think I need to because I've seen the first one. Um, and that's, that's all I need to really say about that. Uh, the other one that kind of was baffling to me was, um, Hamilton got, uh, nominated, but it's the, it's a recording of the Broadway cast, uh, performing on, on a Broadway stage. And it's, it's a little interesting to me. I mean, I'm not discrediting the performances at all. I've seen it. Uh, it, it's it's good. The show is good, but it is one of those. Mm, one of the ways I would describe it is like you're watching the recording that should be playing in the lobby to get you hyped up to buy their gift store stuff. There's nothing more spectacular about the camera work or about the 
the way that it's conceived or the way that it's done to pull it into a a more visual theatrical release. I'm not trying to bash it really it it's just i don't understand how that movie could be nominated for it um because it's to me it, it's just a recording of the broadway show um and i i i enjoyed it it's a lot of fun i just don't see how that is on the same level as a as a theatrical release you know um the prom is it's actually that's on my list i i want to see that and that's another one of those movies so um that that's nominated it it just baffles me and then also to then see you know uh you know best actor in a motion picture that goes back to sasha uh baron cohen is is nominated as is lin-manuel miranda um for their roles in those movies which again i'm just kind of scratching my head on that like huh what <laughs> i don't i uh, you know you're not supposed to get everything i guess but um We'll see. Uh, and then I just want to touch on the best motion picture animated because I do love cartoons. Um, uh, the Crude's uh, sequel is nominated Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not even a question that Soul is going to win this one. Um, I think it's it's got a lot riding on it. Uh, definitely, definitely the front runner, I think, of everything there. All in all, um, the television side of things, I actually was a little bit more excited about because those are the things that I watched. Uh, and, you know, like I watched The Crown. I love The Crown. I thought The Crown, all the performances and acting in The Crown is amazing. Um, and, and bravo to uh, Netflix on that. Is It is really good. Ratchet is also really, really fun. Uh, I had a fun time watching that. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty impressed it even got nominated but uh it it is a very good good show um you know and like there's other ones like better call saul was nominated i haven't seen ozark yet i I definitely need to get that um schitt's creek of course is another uh uh, fun one and and after their kind of sweep last year um i'm i'm expecting that they maybe won't get as much love since they had that like unprecedented uh wins that went for them last year but still, great show, great, great show. Um, and of course, I'm excited, but I have no hope for The Mandalorian <laughs> getting best uh, television series drama. It, uh, it, it was a freaking phenomenal ride uh, for The Mandalorian. If you are a, any kind of Star Wars fan, um, that show was so much fun had so much fun doing that and watching that uh and then actually seeing that it was shot in ventura county technically even though it was just a little bit but um yeah totally excited um so yeah that kind of rounds out the golden globe nominations i'm excited to see what happens um you know it's uh i think it's pretty apparent that with covid um kind of impacting most of 2020's release schedules that you were not getting the more name recognized uh, awards that we'll get this award season but uh, I think nevertheless check things out and decide for yourself and speaking of watching and checking things out for yourself we're going to now move over to our guest and we'll talk about how some film festivals are getting on with their screening of things during COVID-19 
Okay, we are now joined with Sky McLennan. Uh, in Sky, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi, how are you? In Sky, you are the festival director for the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival. Yes, I just came on board actually um, last May, so it's a, a new position for me. And how's it going? Um, it's definitely an interesting year to take on this job. I was going to say um, ne- last May is when you came on. Yeah, that that would be an interesting time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's definitely been very difficult. I was the assistant director um, right before our cancellation in March. Our festival was canceled five days before the festival, yeah. and we had to go into lockdown. Um, but our, our Wendy Edson, who's now our artistic director, she was the festival director for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so she just kind of wanted, she's been wanting to slowly kind of do less and less, and now just really focus on programming and and I've got all the other stuff. <laughs> Very good. So Wendy's still, she's still there. She's definitely still involved, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I actually, and I remember way long ago, um, I had a, a film there uh, showing at the at the festival as well. And, and I remember uh, working with Wendy on all that. So good, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, very nice. So tell me a little bit about the history of the, the festival and, and kind of what you guys do. Um, I mean, obviously, I know you guys have your, your annual big film festival event but there's other stuff you guys do so tell me a little bit about yeah. that so um we it was the festival was founded in 1993 by um just a group of movie lovers um one of them being mary harris and um palm theater owner jim d and um it was just at that time just so they wanted to celebrate film and um, it was mostly classic films then that they were screening and then um it kind of just like took off from there uh, and grew and grew and grew. And then we became an international film festival. Um, we started showing, yeah, films from all the wor- around the world. We started bringing filmmakers out to San Luis Obispo. Um, I think at one point it was a 10-day film festival all across the county. Um, and now we're only six days, which I'm really happy about. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and then year long, and we also did education programs, youth outreach, like um, classes on teaching kids how to make films. We started the Central Coast um, Filmmaker Showcase, which is just highlighting filmmakers from the Central Coast Mm -hmm. um, that live here and are making films. And that's an area we've really tried to expand and grow on as film is becoming um, a bigger industry here in the area. and then, yeah, and then our festival, which happens now every March, uh, we partner with a number of venues across the county, including the Fremont, the Palm, Slow Brew Rock, Park Cinemas, Galaxy. Um, and then we also do a bunch of like different unique venues. Like uh, we've done the Octagon Bar in a few times or the Drive-In. Nice. Um, yeah, some really cool stuff. So we're always just kind of, evolving and every year changing but i think the core of what we do is is really trying to expose san luis Obispo county to incredible independent film nice yeah and especially like what you're saying with the you know the central coast filmmakers too and having a spotlight on Mm -hmm. them because just because we are not in la doesn't mean we can't make quality movies up here in fact you know that's kind of the the whole deal is that we are we're such a great place for it you know in just terms of exteriors and uh places to shoot and just the talent that's up here you know so that's something that that yeah i i think that's that's awesome 
Um, and so, but this year your, your festival's going to probably be a little bit different than, uh, than before. Yeah. So, um, last year we, so our festival was canceled. Um, and then, uh, we pivoted quickly to a virtual festival, uh, within a couple of days, which was just like a couple, it was just links on a website and we were actually one of the first film festivals to go virtual nice. um so there wasn't any like technology or anything at the time like it was so new and um this year we partnered like with a really great streaming provider um and yeah our festival is going to be mostly virtual we'll have q a's for all of the films um we've got like a social hub uh we've just like tried to come up with some clever ways to really make bring the energy of the festival to your home. Um, And we really, it was important to us to create a safe event. Um, And so we are doing a few uh, drive-in events. Um, Nice. So that's really exciting. But um, yeah, mostly virtual and there's over a hundred films to watch. So plenty to see. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. So, and and you think, so what, what was the response like? Um, Because last year you did just the, the kind of the mini version of it. So what do you think, what was the response? Were, were they happy? Like people are, you know, I mean, that's what we're all doing kind of on lockdown is watching TV, but might as well be watching these amazing independent films. So was that something people really digging and they're excited about? Yeah, it was super positive. I think at that time, yeah, it was just people were so scared and just wanted to enjoy something and have their take their mind off things. And it really facilitated that. Mm -hmm. And so our challenge is a little harder this year, obviously, because now there's just so much content out there. So we really had to think about, okay, what is it, you know, about our festival that's unique? Like, why do people come to our festival, regardless about you know, obviously it's nice to come to slow and it's a beautiful place. Um, but really thinking about the core of what we do. And I think that's the programming and the films and, you know, having those, uh, filmmaker Q and A's are what makes it a film festival. And so I think in adding that, I think we're going to get a lot of positive feedback. Um, I'm hopeful for, (laughs) uh, people I've talked to though, you know, I think everyone's just very understanding and compassionate about what's going on sure. and especially within the arts we've all just constantly been pivoting and, and trying to find ways to to just get the content out there and even our filmmakers obviously it's not the most ideal um venue for their film um they mm. would certainly prefer in person we're very aware of that and so we're really trying to make them have a really wonderful experience too because Normally we bring them here and we put them up in a hotel and we have a concierge that kind of like shows them around and really touches on what you were saying is like, we try to get them to see all the great things of this area. So they come and shoot movies here. Um, And so we can't do that this year, but we're kind of trying to find ways to, to, to support them as well. So, yeah, totally. And you know, and one of the other things, cause I, 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 you know, I don't want to say I used to be a filmmaker, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have two little kids. You suddenly don't really yeah. have the time to make movies like you used to. Um, but I, you know, when I was in the festival circuits and I would run around, you know, one of the best things as a filmmaker going to festivals was the networking and the, the hobnobbing and, you know, just the building up of the excitement of going to see that. 
is the what's the way that your festival might be able to do that for these filmmakers because that's you know it, mm-hmm. it yeah it's one thing to ha- see your movie up on the big screen but you know one of the main benefits is that neck networking opportunity do you guys have something yeah. going for like that uh yeah we're gonna start we have like um we're using a platform called discord um which i hope takes off you know it really relies on the on the involvement of the people that are are on it right um but essentially yeah that will be like the hub for the audience to participate in and the filmmakers to talk to each other and i think with any of those yeah it's just making sure there's somebody in there actively stimulating like the conversation so we're gonna have that and then uh, something that we're offering too is virtual streaming data to the filmmakers so they kind of have an insight on how many views their films are getting. Oh, nice. Um, and um, so that's kind of something we've heard feedback from throughout the festival industry that uh, that's something that they kind of appreciate. And then um, we're also sending them little kits as well um, with some, some goodies and pieces of slow. Um, and then um, I feel like there was one other thing. Oh yeah, we're doing a meet the, the distributors panel. Um, oh good. And we're really excited about that, uh, and hopefully have a few independent distributors that can kind of answer filmmakers' questions. And this the the festival landscape because of what's happening virtually and what's happening with cinemas and um, you know uh, and virtual premieres this year has just been insane. And so as a filmmaker, I think getting navigation on where to go and what to do is really, would be really helpful in that area. Totally. And so we hope they get something out of that. And I mean, it's just rapidly changing. Oh yeah. And and then, you know, the, the next question is, do you think maybe next year you're going to be back normal, hopefully, or do you think that in future festivals, it might be kind of like a hybrid sort of thing where you have that, in-person event and still do something online for those that can't make it out to San Luis Obispo. So that's a big conversation. I'm a part, we're a part of an organization called the Film Festival Alliance. And this is a big topic that came up at our recent conference. And this is all the festivals in the United States are a part of this organization. Okay. And um, I think a lot of us are imagining, yeah, always having this hybrid model now that we've done it. <laughs> um, it was something you know, I was thinking about before even the pandemic was, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a channel um, that after the festival, you could view the films or like the winning films at home. And so because of all this new technology that's been involved, we now are able to do that. Sure. And so I think that's definitely something we want to offer because, you know, while we're competing against people like Netflix and Hulu and stuff, we're still offering films that are not getting seen mm-hmm. on those giant platforms. And so, and there, we still have an audience that appreciates our curation of the films. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and you touched on this a little while ago, but it, it, it in this digital world, when everything goes digital, um, the giving the filmmakers the insights as to who watched it, I think is also a a big deal because, you know, you suddenly now have that digital footprint of every audience member that's watching and, you know, you can connect with them and you can kind of market towards certain demographics if that's who's watching these types of movies or, you know, there's any sort of various combinations that you can put in with that 
So I think that's really cool um, to mm-hmm. be able to have the the filmmakers see kind of who who's watching my movie, you know, who who's really into it, and, you know, who's leaving the comments, um, things like that. So I, I think that right. I think that's really really beneficial, um, just as a filmmaker, but also you know as anybody else who wants to know how do these movies get distributed? You know, can they yeah. sh- then show, you know, well, I was a big hit with the, you know, the over 40 crowd and females, you know, and if there's a certain distributor that that's their bread and butter, they can say, well, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I can, that you've got the data, you know, it's, yeah. you don't, you can't really get that when people are just filing into a, a, a theater, you know? No. Yeah. And that's becoming really, really important to distributors um, and these deals that they're making. So um, is that data especially. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just so it's been such an interesting um, few months just seeing this the space that we've kind of been doing the same things for so long and it's completely different (laughs) now. And you're going to see like it's it's not going to go back. I mean, I I think we all knew it was going this direction and with the big studios deciding to release their films straight to these platforms too. I mean, right. it's, it, it's going to be really different for a lot of us. And, um, but I still feel like uh, compared to like movie theaters, I think film festivals are in a good place because we still are offering something really unique. So totally. we're going to be able to get through that all. Well, yeah. And, and okay. I, I honestly don't think that the movie theater experience will ever die. Uh, yeah, I, I think people are still going to want to go and be with a bunch of other people experiencing the same thing at the same time. There's just something yeah. there's a human connection there. You know, it's like right. it's like thousands of years ago getting around a campfire and telling one story and everybody's listening to it. It's the same yeah. thing. It's just what we want to do. Only this yeah. time we're in a dark room looking at light on a wall. Um, yeah. But it, it's. uh it, it's an exciting time. It is absolutely exciting. And I just want to know, what is something that's coming up with your festival that you are the most excited for? Like, what is it that, yeah. that you're really like, oh, man, I can't wait for this to happen? Um. Well, yeah. So we actually received a grant from the city of the San Luis Obispo, um, a diversity, equity, inclusion grant. Nice. And I think this is something, you know, one of our strengths is always we've been showing a, you know, a diverse range of films, you know, from different backgrounds, stories. Um, but I'd really, something that I personally care about and want to improve here in San Luis Obispo and in the County is, um, yeah, is kind of improving and giving access to those voices and those marginalized voices. So this is a program that will actually be free to the public and it's called, um, short films big stories a program of diverse voices and it's five short films um a lot of them are straight from sundance actually wow nice and then also we have two panels one about um building equity in filmmaking and representation in filmmaking from the very point when you start writing your script to production and we're going to be talking to some people from Amazon and some other studios um, about that. And then we've got another one, which is about the power of media to promote social justice, which is more of a local panel. And we've got some organizations that were heavily involved in the BLM protests and um, in other activism here in the area. I'm really excited about that. And I just, I've really, we've always, you know, wanted to expand our audience and, 
get a younger demographic. And I think it's for all film festivals, it's challenging because it's like, uh, it's a period of time you need to be available to watch a lot of films. And if you're young, like, you know, you're in school or work or kids, um, it can be really tough. So I hope that this is a way that we can be more accessible to different audiences Mm. and also the price point being free. So I'm really excited about that and just kind of an introduction to what we do and and hopefully more people will, because once, once someone comes to a film festival, I think they just think it's like a movie, you know, and then when they actually come, they're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And it's so much fun. It's like, yeah, we're, we're much more than that. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool that you got those free programs as well for the community to be able to come out yeah. and, and see. Um, how do you? How do people get to access that? Is that everything through your website, and they just go yeah, there? Yeah, so that will be live all on our website on February tenth, um, and you just go to slowfilmfest.org, and for that event, you just need to register, um, and you'll be sent. Um, the virtual access when our festival starts is there a is there a is there a capacity at all at that or is that uh no capacity on that one, cool so. awesome yeah oh and um so i i can't imagine that you would have any capacities on on most things or is it kind of a we do have some limited um capacity on some films um that has been the general thing in the in the special new virtual age is um some of the filmmakers do require caps on their films so, they do um, okay yeah and that's just to kind of keep the limited exclusive nature um so and we have some most of the films are available in the united states um but some are just geo-blocked to california oh okay that's yeah. That's interesting. That's something I actually I haven't really thought about. Is that you know yeah. filmmakers wanting to keep it, you know there there's a buzz and that helps kind of build that buzz right. up. You know when it's exclusive. Um, that's yeah. really cool. Uh, I, I like yeah. that. Um, yeah. let's see. And then also, are you still doing uh the Slow Film Fest? Definitely, they they hand out an award each year. Are you guys still yeah. doing that this year as well? Yeah. And everything's going to be digital. <laughs> We have the King Award presentation, uh, King Vador Award uh, that we give out um, for excellence in filmmaking. We um, are going to be honoring someone for that. And that will either be um, a pre-recorded conversation or a Zoom conversation. Um, we've got a lot of other panels like the Meet, Distributor, Meet the Distributor panel. Um, we're also doing a Central Coast Filmmaker kind of mixer event on Zoom. Um, we've got our youth program. We're doing a mixer for that as well. Um, our Filmmakers of Tomorrow panel. Um, what else? So much. And then, <laughs> um, and as far as like judging and, and giving out yeah. awards, you guys, how is that working then for a digital festival? Yeah. So we still are doing all of our awards. Uh, we have the G- the George Sydney Independent Film Competition, um, and that includes narrative features, narrative shorts, documentary features, and doc shorts. And we actually have, um, I don't have the full list of names, but a jury composed of journalists, um, people who work in festivals, and former filmmakers who jury those. Um, and then we'll be giving the awards on Sunday evening, our closing night, um, where, we're, and we're showing a film called where there once was water by, um, local filmmaker, Brittany app. Um, and so we'll give the awards on that evening. We also do a, um, best in the fest award, um, 
which is um, who who gets the audience award, basically, um, the most votes. And mm-hmm. you can vote while you're streaming digitally. Oh, we can. Um, that, yeah. that that was that was one of the things I was curious about was that you know the, yeah. the audience participation award. So yeah. cool. Um, and then you you kind of touched on something as well as that you know on the closing mm-hmm. night you're showing a film when mm-hmm. when you purchase a ticket to the to the fest and you're doing this yeah. online. Are there certain times and dates that you can see certain because your festival yeah. runs for you said six days, right? And so yeah, tell yeah. me how tell me how that works. So access to most of the program starts at 9 a.m. on um, uh, March 9th. Um, and if you have like a full access virtual pass, you can just watch films like whenever you want. Um, and then or you can get what we call a movie fanatic where you can just select six films that you want to watch. Again, you can watch them what you want to. But we have just a few special events um, that have limited viewing time. So our opening night film is 24 hours. Our closing night film is 24 hours. So it starts on that day in the morning. You have all day to watch it. And then there's a live panel in the evening. Um, so just trying to give people the flexibility. And that's the nice thing about being virtual is like, we didn't want to like lock things in for people so they can kind of make their own schedule and right. do things when they feel like it. Yeah, that so. definitely sounds like that. that's helpful. Cause I remember, you know, you have to, you find which sort of film block you're going to go to and then you scratch out the other film yeah. block and run to it. And <laughs> it was, it was always crazy, yeah. but it was, um, yeah. So when it's digital that you're definitely taking all that out. And so it's a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. awesome. I, Sky, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. It, it sounds yeah. like it's going to be a, a really fun time. Uh, sounds like you guys were kind of ahead of the game when it came to the digital uh, style of, of putting up the uh, film fest. So you've put a lot of thought. I can only imagine how insanely busy you are right now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for taking your time to come and chat with us. And uh, again, just go to the film, uh, the slow film website. Mm-hmm. And you guys can get your uh, tickets there and find everything you need to know about the uh, festival all right there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, March 9th through the 14th, 2021. Um, come join us. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sky. I really appreciate your time. And we'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. So as of right now, we don't have any events planned. Uh, we did have our crudes drive-in event um, back in November, and that was absolutely fantastic. I had a great time. Um, we are looking forward to planning some events. We've got stuff in the works. I don't want to talk about it quite right now because uh, you never know when <laughs> when we're going to be able to do it or if something's going to change and we can't do it again. It's But we have ideas, and we have uh, some really great opportunities that are, are coming forward um, to us. So uh, just what you got to do is is just stay in touch with us. Keep uh, keep in touch with us on social media. Um, and also uh, keep, uh, if you're on our newsletter, we'll be sending those out. And of course, you can just listen right here and I will be telling you that myself. So uh, no events right now, but there's some to come. Uh, 
And that's going to do it for this edition of Take 18. Wow, season two. All right. Now, this has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society. We are a 501c3 charity organization. So that means that we can't do this show or make anything that we do without the generous support of you, our supporters. So you can help make a difference by just donating, purchasing a membership, uh, or just attending our events when we do have them. Of course, another great way that you can get involved is just hit that like button, just hit that share button, and your engagement right there is really helping us, and it doesn't cost anything except for a couple of clicks. Now, you can also click onto our website, centralcoastfilmsociety.org, for more information, and that's where you can sign up on that newsletter, follow us on the social media, and I just want to say a special thank you to you for staying here all the way to the end. You are the best, and uh, we are getting some really good buzz out there, and that's all because of you. We're going to be having a lot more interviews coming up here in the new year, newish year, I guess. We're kind of breaking into it, breaking into it hard in 2021. But we are going to be still here. We're still making stuff, uh, making the, the podcast for you. Take 18 is alive and well, thanks to you. So thank you for your support. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and that's a take.